A basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, how can you ever find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. The Keeping the Nostalgia Live show is sponsored by The Dunk Collection. The Dunk Collection connects sports-minded individuals to basketball-inspired home products meticulously designed to help combat life's most mundane chores. Dirty clothes on the floor? Put a dirty dunk on the door. The Dirty Dunk is the original over-the-door basketball hoop laundry hamper designed to make laundry a slam dunk. Do you have a messy office? Try a document dunk. The original trash can basketball stand designed for those who compete in the corporate arena. You're just one shot away from turning your cubicle into the corner office you deserve. Bath time blues? Make bath time fun with the Scrub-A-Dunk, the original basketball hoop for baby ballers. Attached to the tub and Scrub-A-Dub-Dub. The Dunk Collection, making boring chores a slam dunk. Basketball courts. They are a big part of the game. And sometimes all we can get is just a little piece of it. Indiana has a great tradition of putting legendary teams on the court, and you can put a legendary court in your home or business. Whether you're looking for a motivational or marketing piece to advertise your business, or a family court to pass down to your kids someday to your favorite high school team, we would like to help you make a realistically scaled Maplewood court for you. From personal wants or even a high school raffle, school admins, this means you. Please visit us at facebook.com backslash minicourts, M-I-N-I-C-O-U-R-T-S, for more details on what we can do. Athletic directors, business owners, or fans alike, please get in touch and like our page. Court sizes are 29 by 19 inches for high school and 32 by 19 for college and pro. We are working on parquet floors as well. We also want to make sure your school gets their share, so we want to work with them to give them their cut. So check us out at Land of Many Basketball Courts at facebook.com backslash M-I-N-I-C-O-U-R-T-S. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I'm your host, Billy Powell. Um, you can go to keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com and you can listen to all of our archived interviews with uh, uh, Indiana high school basketball legends. Anything to do with the game of high school basketball or the game of basketball in the state of Indiana, you can go there. You can uh, download our uh, podcast. You can listen to them, share them, whatever you'd like to do. I mean, we have people on there from you know Rick Mount, Kent Benson, uh, just you know just to name a few. But I think we're on. I think this is our hundred and thirtieth show. But uh, uh, with uh, further, no further ado, I have a state championship basketball coach for the Lagodi Lions. Uh, I, I, he also played in the Final Four in 74-75 in the uh, Indiana High School Basketball State Tournament. Uh, coach Mike Wagner is with us. Coach Wagner, thank you for taking some time. Uh, I know it's the holiday season and taking some time and out of your schedule to uh, help keep the nostalgia alive and share your memories of this great game of uh, basketball from the state of Indiana. That's my pleasure. Uh, I I was just excited when you called, and uh, I was just like, the, you know, thinking about what to say. But I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have a lot to say before this is over with. Uh, so, so where were you born at? Where, where were you born? Were you born in Indiana? I was born right here in Lagodi, believe it or not. Um, 
back in those days, if you didn't make it to the hospital, the doctor came to the house and delivered you, and that's exactly <laughs> what he did. <laughs> so I was—I guess I was one of the lucky ones. I don't know. So, so who introduced you to the game of basketball, and what are your kind of your first memories of the game? Well, I think when I was in third or fourth grade, um, we had still had Lagodi St. John's and Lagodi High School, of course, two separate schools. And uh, I remember going to a game in the old St. John's High School gym, and I was just I was just enamored with the atmosphere, watching the players, the excitement, uh, the crowd. And uh, my, my my very first memory of an exciting game was um, watching. John O'Malley and Steve Barrett go at it. Steve Barrett played at Otwell, and John O'Malley, as you know, played at Army later on and played for Bobby Knight. But I saw two of the quickest guards I'd ever seen in my life play each other uh, one-on-one, and it was just a shootout. I mean, they were so good, so quick. They could shoot. I mean, if there was a three-point line back in those days, they would average 30 points a game. That's how good they were. And that was really my first uh, big game of remember seeing, yeah. And what what were some of your did did you have did you was basketball your 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 first game first sports first first sporting thing that you were introduced to uh, baseball well, no, or what Yeah, I, well, Lagodi's been known you know for basketball and baseball. Um, I, I I really thought basketball was going to be you know the ultimate, but I I did play baseball four years in high school, but basketball is where it started. Um, you know, I played up through the grades and. It's just when you when you were a little kid in Lagodi, uh, if you didn't play basketball, you just didn't play any sports at all. I mean, we just we we we, we lived through it growing up, and uh, I can remember watching all the the older players, you know, go through the system. And uh, if you were a little boy in Lagodi, you wanted to wear a jersey that had Lagodi across the top of your shirt. There. Do you recall your first game that you went and saw at Lagodi? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the atmosphere and and? Um, what, and- yeah, and, and I tell you, um, one of the biggest memories I have of, of being, you know, a younger kid, close to sixth, seventh, eighth grade, junior high, whatever, uh, was playing in a game in the old um, Lagodi High School gym right there at JFK Avenue. Uh, it was um, one of those junior high games. It's probably my, I don't know if I remember, but my first introduction to Coach Butcher. Um, he would always sit in the balcony upstairs. You know how the old gym used to be. You had a balcony and a stage and all that. But he would sit upstairs, and I think I was in seventh grade. And, and back then, I mean, if you didn't go to a ball game on a Thursday night or a Friday or Saturday night for high school, um, you know, you weren't you weren't a fan. But the, the games were always crowded. The junior high games, believe it or not, were packed. I mean, they were just wall-to-wall people. And I could remember playing a game. And uh, right before halftime, this particular game, I hit a half-court shot, and I looked around, and I looked upstairs, and there was Coach Butcher just sitting there as quiet as could be and just calm as could be, you know, just watching. And I thought, there's a guy I'm going to play for one of these days. And, I, you know, it was kind of exciting that he was there, but he was always there, and it was kind of, kind of a neat thing to see. Did that, give you a, a, did that give you a different, a more confidence, knowing that uh, a Butcher or Coach Butcher would be at some of those games when you, when you would play? Well, it, Honestly, I don't think remember. I remember thinking that, but all I remember is that he was there, and I thought it was. I thought it was just pretty cool that he was watching. Um, I mean, he, you know, he had a hand in all the all the the basketball, you know, practices growing up in summertime, and him and Coach Nante just you know, led us through uh, all the summertime practices. But uh, when when he took an interest in you, you knew that there, you know there might be some uh, there may be maybe some luck that you could play for him someday, and 
uh, we had some very successful junior high teams all the way through the grades. And I can only remember losing three or four games from fifth grade on up to freshman year. But it was just fun to watch um, those kind of games. And I, I remember, of course, if you've ever been to go to the old JFK gym, it's not very big. But uh, it's, it's just amazing to me how crowded those gyms were on a Thursday night for a junior high ball game. It was just wall-to-wall people. And you really don't get that much anymore around here, but you did back in those days. Before getting to high school, did you was it all about Lagodi basketball, or were you kind of did you take in what else was going on in the state of Indiana in high school basketball? Well, you know, it really was. You were you were just enthralled with playing for Lagodi and uh, the Friday night, Saturday night ball games. You you know, everybody went. That's all there was to it. You know, when you have a have a gym that holds over four thousand people and your population's right at two thousand, that's kind of crazy. But the gym was always crowded and. I I was just that was that was our whole our whole life growing up. Um, you didn't I mean I didn't worry about Barry or Shoals or Washington or anybody else around the area. But boy, when we played them, we really you know we we really got into it. The, the rivalries were always there, and uh, you know growing up, you didn't hate those teams, but you didn't want to be friends with them. But it's <laughs> amazing how when you when you get older, how many friends I have that live in Montgomery and Barry and. You know, a lot of respect for those people in, in Shoals in Washington. And uh, you and you learn as you grow. I mean, when you're kids, the most important thing is what's going on right then and there. But as you get older, you see the, you know, you see the big picture. You know, AAU wasn't around back then, or it was just getting ready to get no. st- getting ready to get started. So what, right. uh, wh- how did you, did you have a hoop at the house? Or, you know, besides your, your junior high teams before getting to Logoti High School, I mean, wh- where, where did you play your ball? Who did you play your ball with? And, and, and how did you, you know, hone your skills for uh, just getting ready to start well, in high school? That's funny that you bring that up. I remember going to a neighbor's house who actually lived about, 500 feet across the Dave Martin Davis County line, and he and he actually went. To, we'd go to his house and play uh, on Friday nights during the summer or in the spring because he had the only goal with a light, and there there must have been 15, 20 people there waiting just to play five on five, and that's that's where you really learn to play basketball. I don't call it street basketball, but that's where you really learn to play. And and we had the old uh, the youth centers where kids would go, you know, and hang out. We had two basketball goals, and you had to wait in line to play. I mean, we played. From the time it opened at like five o'clock after school until ten o'clock, and we had to go home at night. And uh, it was just one of those things where that's that's what you did. You played outside, um, and and you picked up games. And I remember playing with older kids when I was a young kid, probably just just almost getting to high school, playing with the likes of Bill Drake and and Junior T and Bill Butcher on the outdoor courts. And uh, those were the things we did besides AAU back in those days. And you know, we did have summer practice, and you did have some summer games, but nothing like it is now. Did you play in the snow? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can remember shoveling shoveling the snow off uh, middle of January and uh, taking off your jacket with long sleeves, but you had gloves on because your hands got cold and you still played. I mean, we it, it just didn't stop. And uh, you know, you can ask any kid that grew up in Lagoda at my age. We did that a lot of times. Just get that snow off and, and make sure the ball had enough air in it. Uh, at that young age, did you follow any professional basketball teams? Did you follow any college teams? Um. Well. I mean, you're always an IU fan, but I can remember, true, too, growing up in high school, uh, you know, back then, I think, if I remember right, it was Mel Daniels and all those guys for the Pacers, but uh, I, I really don't remember watching a lot of it on TV, because it wasn't on TV, and I don't remember really reading about it in papers. All all our focus was on, you know, centered around what we did at school, what we did in the games, 
uh, it was just baseball, basketball, and it was year-round. I mean, we did it all the time. And so down south, did you lean towards St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan, or were you a Reds fan? Oh, no, we were Cardinal fans. <laughs> through, through, and, uh, except for my mother. She was the biggest Johnny Bench fan there ever was, and I never could understand that. She uh, she just really liked the Reds and Johnny Bench, and uh, my older brother was a Dodger fan. But besides that, we were all Cardinal fans. And then as you got older, you know, uh, and, and the pros started to be – the, the pro game started to be a little more on TV with big Boston Celtics fans, of course, Larry Bird and, you know, and all that. But uh, we just, uh, you know, we, we followed what was local. So so were you, what, once, what were your expectations when you started your freshman year at Lagodi? I mean, were you kind of chomping at the bit or uh, uh, nervous? And, and tell us about that first, you know, uh, the, the, your freshman year at Lagodi. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you get in high school, course back those in those days you had a lot of a lot of competition for uniforms and playing time and uh you were a freshman it was very rare that you would that you would play varsity let alone dress a game or two um but my freshman year uh i split time between the freshman team and the junior varsity team and then there was one game i never i'll never forget as long as i live we're playing petersburg before they consolidated for pike central and um I didn't play the JV game. I think we kind of blew them out. I was saving quarters, I guess. And Coach Butcher said for me to get a uniform. And I'm like, I guess he meant varsity. So I put on a varsity uniform and would go out and warm up. I was so excited, I forgot the warm-up routine. You know, you have a routine, you do drills and warm-up. I was all over the place. I was just lost. And I was, like, so excited to be out there. And uh, throughout the course of the game, of course, you know, we're, we're beating them pretty easily, maybe 15, 20 points. You get to the fourth quarter and uh, – Coach Butcher had everybody in the game but me. And I'm sitting there at the end of the bench, you know, just wide-eyed and looking and thinking about, I'm going to get in the game here soon, you know. He come down, pat me on the head. He said, hang in there, kid. And that was it. <laughs> that, was my, that was my learning experience, you know. And uh, I, I wasn't mad. I was just glad to dress, you know, and be on the game in the varsity game. But uh, that was my varsity experience as a freshman. Now, as a sophomore, it was a little different. You know, I, I uh, earned my, uh, my letter, and, and, you know, I played. I was uh, – probably the first guard off the bench that year went to the state it was a lot of fun it's exciting but that freshman year you know it's always a learning experience especially back in those days what was were you, were your expectations of what coach butcher was going to be like were they fulfilled or were tell us about his coaching style and and, and what he was like no i mean i'm not i'm not saying he was a bobby knight type but when you went through junior high and you watched coach butcher coach you knew what you had to do to play you knew that you uh, you had to follow directions. You had to listen. You had to be a team player. You had to be fundamentally sound. That's that's exactly what he expected out of you. And you know he coached that way. And you know there's a reason why he has 806 wins at a small school like this because he he did it the right way. And you expected to uh, you're expected to play that way once you got your uniform. And uh, if you didn't, and if you didn't do all those things, you weren't going to play. But um, my expectations of what he wanted and what I was going to do were exactly the same. I mean, I knew what I had to do growing up. And uh, I knew if I was going to play varsity basketball for Coach Butcher and at Ligoti, I had to do all these things and do them well. What were, your, what were some of your favorite places to play or uh, places that you guys played that you really didn't like? Well, without a doubt, I hated going to Bar E because it was, it was just such a big game. And we always, back in those days, had a – I had a home and away game with the same team, um, but it wasn't that I didn't hate, that I didn't like them. I just hated going to their gym. It was small, it was it was compact, but 
It was always packed. And uh, the one good thing about the Bar Eve Gym, though, and I never understood this, is that you could always jump off the floor. I mean, I, you could just jump out of the gym. And um, I, I can say this, you know, I can say this with a lot of pride. I never lost a game as a player, Bar Eve as a basketball player. But, uh, you, you know, you know, fast forward now, they're, they're one of the better teams always out of southern Indiana, and uh, we've lost a few. But uh, that was one place I didn't like to play. But I tell you, the, the place I love to play the most, and you probably heard this before, was the Hatchet House in Washington. Um, you know, you had seven teams in the sectional. It holds over 7,000 people. And when you walk in, you have about, oh, 1,500 people cheering for you, and you've got 6,000 people yelling against you. And that really, I tell you what, that didn't pump you up as a player. Nothing did. Coach, were you a part of the uh, Larry Bird game? Uh, I was a freshman. Um, I remember the game very well. We, I, I do believe our JV team lost in double overtime, um, and it was just packed by then. And you couldn't even you couldn't even stand behind the bleachers or stand behind the bench. But when the game JV game was over and they were warming up, I can remember looking around. They were like three deep at the top of the gym, and that, and that gym is just a little bit smaller than ours, although it's built the same way, and. You, normally the JV sat behind the varsity on the uh, bleachers. We had to sit on the floor. That's how packed that game was. But I remember it, and uh, it was just one of those classic games, you know, where uh, we found a way to win. It was amazing we did, but we, we found a way to win that one. You know, while you were playing at Lagodi during high school, did what – what dreams or what what uh, what did you did you did you even think you were going to coach the game or what what did you think you were going to do in life uh, while you were in high school? Well, I, I knew my senior year, right before I graduated, I knew I wanted to do two things. I wanted to come back to Lagodi and coach someday, and I wanted to come back and teach. Um, I went to school. I went actually I went to ISU for a semester, uh, and Bird was there, and I. Try, I tried out with a team that's a walk-on, made it to the last three days of practice, and what they did is they put you in groups of five, so there were three teams of five, last 15 players, and um, we had the last day of, of tryouts, and we all made it, and you know everybody felt good, and next day we come looked on, on the bulletin board, and they just said they regret to say that you know they weren't going to keep anybody, they had enough and all that, but anyway, um, I um, got kind of discouraged and I set out for a semester, and then I transferred to a small college in Virginia called Averett College. It's like it's like uh, Division Three, kind of like Hanover. And Mike Sandifar was coaching there. He used to coach at Pike Central, which he's now at Oakland City. But he was there, and I went out there and played four years. Uh, had a great time. Met some great people. You know, just to get away from this little town and experience life was was really neat. But uh, got got my got my degree and came home and. Uh, I worked for about a year, then I got my, my teaching job at Lagodi and started out in the junior high level, and uh, I was there for five or six years, and then freshman coach three or four years, and then junior varsity coach for, I don't know, 19, 20 years. And then uh, once Coach Butcher retired and Coach Brett was uh, hired, uh, I just waited my time and then finally got to coach the varsity level in 2008. But I always wanted to coach here. I knew that because, I, 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 you know, the system – was run right, and I knew how things were going to work. Um, I had a, I, you know, I had a lot of fun, a lot of success at the junior high level and, and, and the JV level. But you know, coaching the varsity was the ultimate. So, was it your senior year that you guys went to the uh, Final Four? No, it was my sophomore year, okay. uh, and nineteen, and 
I do believe it was the very first time they had the Final Four at Market Square Arena because I remember when we were playing there, anytime you fell fell down in the lane, you got blue paint all over you because I guess they had, you know, it's done that the night before. And I remember going up and practicing the day before, and uh, it was cold in there because they had a hockey game on Friday night. And we had to wear jackets because it was cold in there. And then, of course, I guess they just painted the floor either late that night or whatever because when you fell, you got blue paint on you. But it was neat. It was, it was a neat experience. Um, you know, little Agote comes out and plays in Columbus North, and they're six seven, six seven, six, and we're barely six three, five eleven, five ten, and we beat them fifty to twenty seven. I can I can remember like it was yesterday, and we just they, people were just dumbfounded how we could do that. But uh, kind of met our match with Mickey, and they were pretty tough. And t- tell us about those steps to get to the Final Four, and you know, uh, it, what are your memories of it today? Or do you, you guys, you know, uh, ifs and buts were candies and nuts, but you know. Well, it's it's kind of crazy that you say that because we had to go through Washington in the final game in the sectional, and they're a three A school, and we beat them. It was a tough game, but we beat them. So then you go to the regional, and you had to play Jasper in the final game in the regional. They're a three A school, and you know, we ended up beating them. So we go to the Center State. First team you play, Terre Haute North. They're a 4A school. I mean, this is all one class system. They're a 4A school. They're big. We were down most of the game. Uh, we come back late in the game. I think uh, David Strange and I, we were both sophomores. We come off the bench. I think he had four points. I had eight points that game and, you know, kind of helped us, you know, get it get it back in. We won that game. And then we go to the Simmons State uh, final game against Seymour. They're ranked number two in the state. They got a six eight kid in the middle. They got uh, Baron Hill at guard. You know who Baron Hill is, and uh, we we ended up blowing them out. I mean, uh, sixty to forty seven, something like that. I really can't remember the score, but I know we beat them pretty easily. Just you know, backdoor layups all night long, and it was just it was incredible. I mean, you know, the old Roberts Stadium in Evansville was just it was just nuts. Uh, Gibson Southern was there, Terre Haute North, us and Seymour, and at that night game. When we walked out and ran out on the floor through that curtain, everybody was cheering for Lagoti. That was crazy. Uh, and then uh, they all, after that, they called us the People's Choice when we got to the state. So then you go and you play Columbus North. They're a 4A school. You know, we played them in the afternoon game. I mean, it really wasn't even close. We beat them 50-27 or 50-25. I, I know it's, it was a 20-some point win. And uh, I do remember a friend of mine said that he was in the stands and uh, his dad was talking to a fan from Columbus. And that guy, he, he said he was watching us warm up. And he said, this is going to be a laugher. And that guy turned and looked at him and he says, you want to bet? And this guy goes, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah, do you want to bet? He said, sure. He goes, here's $100. He goes, I'll let your son hold on to it. That guy held on to it. And the game was over. And he goes, how in the hell did you guys do that? That was so funny. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And of course, then you went. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. And then you then you win that and you go to the final game against Marion, another four A school and you know, it was just uh, it was a great atmosphere and we did make it close, cut it to six late in the game but just couldn't get over the hump and uh, you know, that was that was a heck of a ride. I tell you it was it was it was something to go from the sectional all the way to the state in the one class system and having three fourths of the state cheer for you. And, and and what was it like? What was your mindset or what were you thinking or do you still have memories today of, of going out on uh, the floor at Market Square Arena and uh, you know oh, yeah. and, and playing? What you know were you kind of were you kind of mesmerized for a little while or what you know did you get into it with the crowd or No, I mean honestly um, you know you're in high school you always have a routine. You know, you go out, you warm up, you go back in the locker room, the coach talks to you, and you come out. Well, when we go back in the locker room, for some reason at the start of the sectional, when we came back out after the coach talked to us, I was always the first one out. And 
what I would do is I'd go straight to the rim and shoot a layup, and I I never missed. Um, at the Market Square, I actually at Robert Stadium, if if you've ever been there, they had a great big curtain. It must have been 50 feet tall across the entrance to the tunnel where you went to the locker rooms. And I remember before we came out that night, I was kind of open the curtain and I peeked through, and all you could hear were fans yelling, butcher, butcher, open the door, let those lions on the floor. I'll never forget that. And it was just, it sent chills through my through my body. And I was just looking at that, smiling, and we ran out. It was the, that was probably the biggest roar I'd ever heard in my life at Robert Stadium. Now, Market Square, you know, holds, holds 18,000, 19,000 people. Uh, of course, you had three other teams there, and Lagodi was the only one cheering for Lagodi. It was a little different, but it was, it was still really neat to come out and do that. And uh, I, I can remember, but I'll never forget as long as I live how it sounded at Robert Stadium. It was just incredible. What was what was what was the whole team's attitude after you guys lost to Marion? Was was Coach Butcher still coaching, and there was still no basketball going on, or how how how, how did you guys feel after that? Well, I mean, actually, being caught up, being in the last two teams in the state, and and you know, being in that atmosphere, it it, it really uh, it probably didn't hit us for about a week or so, but. You know, even after we lost, we were happy, we were excited. You know, we got our back then. You got your rings right there on the floor, and you kind of just traded around to see which one fit. But um, it was uh, it was really neat, you know. And Coach Butcher uh, was probably in the prime of his coaching career, and you know, son Bill was playing, and um, we were excited because the following year we had a lot coming back. Uh, you know, we lo- we lost Bill; he was our main scorer, but we had a lot of scoring coming back. Um, you know, we had. Uh, four of the top six players coming back and and you know we we were looking forward to that and uh you know coach butcher he never stopped coaching i mean summertime uh if you think summer basketball was just going up down the floor you're crazy you know when you when you get thrown out of a summer basketball practice because you didn't work hard you know he means business <laughs> what were your last two years after going to the finals uh like at lagodi how what kind of success did you guys have uh the, the following year um i think we got we got as far as ranked sixth or seventh in the state uh, we were 16 and four going in the sectional we got we got beat in double overtime in the final game of the sectional my junior year by washington and they were pretty good uh, i think i think we ended up um i don't know 18 and five something like that my senior year uh we were 18 and one going in the sectional because we played in a tournament game and they didn't have a consolation game i think we were ranked eighth in the state um we we uh, won our first game. We were nineteen and one playing Washington. I think on I think it was a Friday night game if I remember right. And uh, they were they had Steve Bushy. They had uh, a couple other kids. John Brown about six four. Bushy was about six seven. I mean they were big. They were huge. And uh, we you know we, we had a really good team. Uh, David Strange and I were seniors and uh, our two top scorers. Uh, we were probably averaging close to sixty some points a game. And Honestly, you know, coach was known for the delay game, which is called butcher ball. We really didn't do a lot of that our senior year. We did it at the end of a quarter, you know, or maybe to to preserve the end of the game. Uh, but that night we came out and played delay from the opening tip. And I don't know if it threw us off guard or what, but it's one of those things where uh, you know it, it was it was a, it was a nip and tuck game. I think we got to be, believe it or not, twenty six twenty four. And uh, but the one thing that always sticks to my mind is the Washington Hatchets go to the regional and they lose to Northeast Dubois in the final game of the regional. And that really bothered me because we beat Dubois in the regular season, so that tells me we could have beat both of those teams. So that that, that kind of bothered me right when I graduated. 
so you know when you were playing high school basketball and you know we talked a little bit about uh, uh, going places and what your favorite places and le- you know right. least favorite places to play um, as a high school basketball player was there any uh, besides coach butcher was there any high school basketball coach that you were like you know I, I kind of like how he coaches he coaches well I may not like the team I may not like the gym you know I may not like that we lost to him but you know what I kind of respect that guy did you ever have any of that as, as a youngster while playing high school basketball well you know i don't remember a whole lot about other coaches because you know as a kid you're, you're focused on your team and your coach but i do remember one guy and, and i'm sure coach butcher can relate to this that they're still pretty good buddies that was uh at Barry, joe Todrank was a really really good coach and and if you put him and jack butcher together back in those days they kind of look alike they coached alike uh they had success coach Todrank was a fiery guy just like coach butcher uh, very respectful. He, you know, he was always very, very respectable to me, very nice to me. Even talked to him in later years, you know, at, at golf scrambles or coaches' clinics, stuff like that. Super guy. And if there was other, and any other guy that I'd want to play for besides Coach Butcher, it probably would have been Coach Todrank. And believe it or not, he was a Barry, so that says a lot about about his character <laughs> for me to say that. And uh, but I don't think Coach Butcher ever wore, wore white patent shoes while he coached, right? No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, now he. I think Coach Butcher had a white belt every now and then, but not white shoes. <laughs> Coach, <laughs> or, tell, or a plaid jacket, yeah. Tell us a little bit about Coach Nante. Uh, probably one of the best junior varsity or, or you know, varsity assistant coaches you could ever want to have. Uh, he uh, he knew our system. Him and Coach Butcher coached for years together. And, uh, you know, there are many times when uh, uh, something would happen on the floor and, Coach Butcher would be, you know, focused on something, and Coach Nante would take me to the side and say this and this, or take whoever to the side and talk. And uh, very, very knowledgeable, um, you know, a big, a big part of our success. How well did you do? How well did you guys do in baseball? Oh well, with Coach Nante, very well. I mean, uh, I I played four years. Actually, started as a freshman, and uh, we won um, three sectionals out of my four years. Uh, one probably one of the biggest regrets we ever had was losing um, my sophomore year to uh, Worthington in, in the Bloomfield section. You know, Mark Riggins was pitcher. You know, Mark was you know is in the majors now as, as a pitching coach. He was the pitcher, and uh, we got beat two to one on a no hitter, and uh, probably should have won that one, and, and should and could have gone a long way. We had a really good pitching staff, but uh, ran into a tough pitcher from Worthington and got beat, but uh, had some great success. For, or in, in baseball, and uh, and uh, Coach Dante really knew his stuff. You know, besides going to Indiana State University for that first semester and trying out, was were there any uh, other prospects uh, for college basketball before you went to uh, ISU? Well, actually, um, no. I went there and tried out. After I set out, um, after I left at Christmas break, I actually enrolled at Franklin College. Uh, coach Steve Fisher was our freshman coach back in those days and he talked to the coach up there I was going to go to Franklin and play but I tell you what happened I went up there I enrolled and I got there it must have been on a Monday or Tuesday in a major snowstorm I just felt so out of place that I was there for a couple of days and I said I can't do this so I came home and uh, I worked for probably three or four months and then I got a hold of Coach Sandifar and then that following summer uh, Larry Henry and I another good teammate of mine that played Ligoti decided to go out and play in Virginia and uh, I was there for the next four years and I loved every minute of it so you're back you're you're coaching at Ligoti uh, what uh, uh, did you did you ever ever in your mind think that 
you, you would have a state championship team and a state championship ring on your finger? Well, not not right away. Um, you know, the biggest thing I wanted to do was to get in the system and start coaching. And uh, once I worked my way up to the JV level, I mean, it, it was it was basically understood that, you know, Jack couldn't coach forever. And then the last two or three years together when he was still coaching and I was the, his varsity assistant, um, he let me do a lot of decision making, you know, and, and coaching, and we talk a lot. And uh, it was—I I mean, I was allowed to get up off the bench and you know tell players certain things. Um, but when he retired and they decided to go with Coach Brett, it really—it didn't make me mad. It didn't bother me. But I was—I was, I was kind of you know let down a little bit, you know, by that. But I stayed on as Coach Brett's uh, varsity assistant and. Uh, you know, in 2005, we went back to the state. You know, on a, a big rebound basket in the, in the Simmons State by Bart Hill and Coach uh, Coach Brett. Uh, we got to the state and lost to uh, Lapel, I believe it was. And uh, so, basically, I was there as a player in '75 and an assistant coach in 2005, and then in 2012 as a varsity coach. But never did I ever dream that I would be a uh, state championship coach. It's something you always would, would like to do. You know, it's kind of like saying I never won the lottery. But I did, but you know I didn't. But that's something that you'd like to do, and then we we just got to the point where you know it just everything fell into place. You know, so you you take over the head coaching job. What's it uh-huh. like? What's it like taking over a job where a legend had been coaching? What what are the what are the first thoughts you have, or what you know what do you have to go through to kind of cope and be a, as as successful as you were in winning a state championship that you did? Well, I think when you first are announced as the head coach, immediately everybody thinks, well, I wonder if he's going to coach like Coach Butcher. I wonder if he's going to do this. I wonder if he's going to do that. And the very first thing we did as a group, we had, there's this thing called Meet the Coaches Night that we have at the no- local Knights of Columbus. And we had a pretty good crowd there. And I kind of introduced myself, although everybody knew who I was. And, and I talked about the team and talked about my philosophy. And I just I just basically told them, I said, you know, this this is this is Lagodian Lions basketball. I said this is not my team, this is not Coach Butcher's team. This is this is our team. And I said, yes, I'm going to do some things like Coach Butcher. I said I said, but yes, I have my own coaching style. And you know, I uh, I told him I said, you know, at any one point in the game, I'm going to put the five best players on the floor. I said I don't care what your name is, I don't care how much money you have, I don't care you know where you come from. Any given situation, you know, it depends on foul trouble or somebody's hurt or who's who's playing well that night. I said that's going to determine who's on the floor, and that's how I coached. And um, you know, I got criticized, and believe believe it or not, in our state finals run because if you get a player with two fouls in the first half, nine out of ten coaches set them out because they're afraid they're going to get the third foul. I wasn't like that. I always told my players, and I believe they were smart enough. Don't be stupid and get your third foul. I did it with Brian Ackerman. I don't know how many times I did it with Connor Whitmer all the way through our state tournament run. Now, there was a point where I had to take one out because he had three fouls, but it, it didn't happen very often. And I can remember uh, my radio partner, Greg Bakeman, always saying on the radio, well, it's like Coach Wagner's going to roll the dice. I mean, that's just how I coach. <laughs> and uh, 95% of the time, it worked. Uh, I mean, I'll give you a case in point. In the, in the first game of the regional in 2012, Brian Ackerman had two fouls in the first quarter. So I, I did take him out a little bit, put him back in on the offensive end. Right at the end of the first quarter, we had the ball in a dead ball situation. So I put him in. We go to our delay. He gets a layup on the on the baseline, gets fouled, gets a three-point play with two seconds to go, hits free throw. I take him out on defense, and it worked. 
second quarter, okay, uh, he comes in and you know he he, he does his thing and he, he's just he's just incredible. He's a smart player. He's the only player I've ever seen, and this happened. Um, I think it happened in the uh, first game. They hit a, a last second shot at the end of the first three quarters. Every quarter. I mean, most kids wish they could hit one in their lifetime. He hit three in one game at the end of each quarter, and that's just incredible. That's just a, you know a compliment to him as a player and how smart he is. And I and I never had a problem with playing kids in foul trouble. And, and, and you know, a lot of coaches don't do that, and that was just my style. You know, when you uh, first started, we first started chatting about that. I, I, I pictured Norman Dale at the barber shop in Hoosiers when you were telling me how you were going to. Oh t- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, as you know, we we had that right before that season. We had a big board meeting, you know, and there there were some disgruntled people in town, and and they thought that I wasn't doing the job, and you know, it's kind of ironic because if you look at it, the first year after Coach Brett left, I mean, he you know he had a really bad year. His last year was four and eighteen, but. We were 12-9 after going 4-0 and the first four games. Got beat, of course, by uh, North Davis in the sectional, or Barium, I'm sorry. And then the next year we go 16-5, and which still isn't good enough because we didn't win the sectional. I understood that. Third year, we're in the sectional. We're 17-4. and and Get beat on a last-second putback, okay? So we didn't win. Now, you know, everybody's like, well, you can't win the big one, you know. We need to get a new coach and all that. It actually... You know, you, you probably heard about it or seen it. We had a big board meeting. But, you know, it all worked out. You know, we stayed there. And then uh, that next year, you know, we win, we win the, the whole kit caboodle. And <laughs> that kind of just uh, made me feel a little bit better about it. And, and, and take us through that. What, what was that like to, 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 to win that state title? And, and, and what did, you know, what, what were your memories from that? Or what do you take away from that? Well, the, the biggest memory that I, can rem- that I can take a feel for is, it's just the whole atmosphere from the time the sectional started all the way to the final game. I remember the sectional draw came out. Of course, you know it's always big about who you got to play and all that. And and it came out, and uh, of course we get a bye and have to play the winner of Bar Even, whoever, on a Friday night. We were all excited because we wanted to play Bar Even. We lost him in the regular season, 50 to 47, and should have won. It was a home game. We should have won that one. So we were excited. We come out, kind of struggled early, but we got that win and. You know, beating Barry was great, but you know now we beat Barry. We're looking forward to playing North Davis on Saturday night in the finals because they'd beaten us the year before on a last-second shot. Well, lo and behold, their best players hurt. Schultz knocks them off, so now you got a battle of Martin County in the final game. So uh, I was pretty optimistic going in because we'd beaten Schultz pretty handily early on, and you know when we won that game, the night of the sectional finals, I, it was it was it hit me that we had won the sectional, something that I'd been criticized for for years and I really I I had to go back to the locker room and just sit and think you know and and I kind of lost it for a minute there and you know and I teared up a little bit I knew they were celebrating on the floor they didn't need me for that so they were out there taking pictures so I finally went back out and then I got a hold of Greg Bakeman he wanted to know where I went I said well I just had to go compose myself because now now the reality hits that we got we got a chance to really go go places because you play the regional on your home floor my whole focus, even even at that moment, was getting ready for the regional because we got two games coming on our home floor, and that was exciting uh, to do that. And getting to the regional, I mean, you knew the gym was going to be packed. It was just a crazy atmosphere. Uh, we played a very good Evansville Day School in the first game on the morning, and they were really good. We got 14 to five right off the bat, but came back and and beat them by eight or nine. And then the final game, we had a chance to get some more revenge. We played Orleans beating us early in the year because we had a couple of kids that wanted to have mono and we looked forward to that one and 
we just come out like the house on fire that night and beat them pretty easily. And then, you know, of course, in the center state, everybody's like happy, you know, and, you know, if we win it, fine. If we don't, at least we got there. That, but that wasn't my thinking because we would always watch tape of the team we're going to play uh, the following Monday after we won the tournament. And we were watching uh, Edinburgh play. And I sat there and we thought my house, all our coaches, and I told my assistant coach, Dave Smith, and I said, look, I said, boys, we're going to the state. He looked at me and he goes, are you crazy? Because <laughs> they had a 6 day kid and they had a guard just as good as Brian Ackerman. But what I could see on the floor was they were going to have a hard time guarding us man-to-man. And they like to get up and down the floor. And if we have to, we can slow it down. Well, they made a mistake. They got up three or four points in the, early in the fourth quarter, and they started holding the ball, which they're not used to. And they made mistakes. They missed shots. We come down, and you know, we ended up scoring the last 16 points of the game. Uh, uh, Co- what, what was Coach Wagner's uh, relationship with officials? How how did were you uh, th- did they treat you pretty kindly, or how did you how did you handle bad calls? Well, actually, I think I, I I think I had a really good rapport with officials. I knew most of them by first name. There were a few I didn't know, but uh, I think that when they looked at me on the sidelines, they just they just kind of went, "Phew, I feel better." Coach Butcher's not over there, you know. He's not going to be breathing <laughs> down my neck, you know. But, uh, I mean, I've, I've gone on them before and, and, and said things, but you know, I, I just I just never really rant and rave like a lot of coaches. I'm not saying Coach Butcher did that, but he had a way of staring at him to get their attention and stuff like that. But uh, I, I had a pretty good rapport. I remember after every game, win or lose, I would always go up to him and tell him, great job, because, you know, I officiate some now a little bit on and off, you know, great school games, and I have a really good appreciation for what officials have to go through. And uh, I, I do. I, I, I enjoyed the rapport. Uh, I remember, especially after the semi-state game, we when we won, um, I knew the officials pretty well. I knew two of them, and we were in the uh, hospitality room, and they came in there and shook my hand. He goes, "You know what?" He goes, "I am really happy to see you win this." He says, "You deserve this," and I, you know, I really, I really felt good about that, and it was, it was a neat thing to hear from an official. Uh, coach, uh, during your whole career, did did you have the opportunity to coach at other places, but you you felt loyal to uh, staying in the Lagodi area? No, I really didn't, and I and I didn't look. I didn't look to go anywhere else. Um, you know, like I said, my senior year in high school, I knew exactly where I wanted to go and exactly what I wanted to do. You know, uh, get married, you know, and 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 have my kids live here. They all graduated here. They all played sports here. Uh, you know. My wife and I both taught here for years. Uh, I retired two years ago. She's ready to retire here pretty soon. Uh, I I just enjoyed the atmosphere of being here. You know, most people would think like, "Well, you're crazy. Get away from that town." I I, I just wasn't like that. You know. Uh, now my kids are a little bit different. You know, I have a son that lives in Washington D.C. and I have a daughter who travels all over the place in in her work. And my other two daughters live in Bloomington, so they're not around. But uh, it's just one of those things where I never really looked. Uh, you know, after I retired here and, and got out in, in 2014, I did go help uh, Mark Rohr at South Knox. Uh, I remember Mark from high school. He was a really good coach. I enjoyed that. Um, I did that for a year. I had a daughter cheered cheer about you, so I kind of got away from that so I can go watch a little bit of that. But it's just something that I've always wanted to do and never really looked to go anywhere else. Um, so, so, so what? You know, you, you you still teach, right? You substitute, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty busy for a retired guy. <laughs> yeah, and is do you still when you go through town or you're in the halls at school or you're you're out and about? Is Lagodi kind of a Mayberryish? 
Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to know everybody. If you've lived here long enough, you know everybody. Uh, they know they know who you are. They, I mean, you know, they know where you're going to hang out. You know, in Mayberry, they hang out at the barbershop. Well, at Lagoya, they hang out at the Dairy Master, or they hang out at the Corner Cafe. You know, all the, uh, what we call the uh, coaches' corners, you know, <laughs> where they hang out and talk about things. Uh, kind of like the barbershop and, and Hoosiers. But anyway, you know everybody, and, you know, I get a kick because when I go to school, and if I sub a couple of three days in a row, whatever, a lot of the kids are still there. Will call me coach. Uh, a lot of the teachers still call me coach, and uh, I'll go and I'll scout sometimes for uh, for other coaches, and I scout for Mark a little bit every now and then. Mark Roar, and he'll he'll call me coach. The people there will call me coach. How you doing? I mean, that's that's really neat to hear, and I and I enjoy hearing that. Do you miss coaching the game? Do you miss being a head coach? Um, I I do, and I don't. I I miss. I miss being on the floor and, and, and having your team be successful and the practices and getting things accomplished. I don't miss what's behind the scenes these days, you know, dealing with AAU and, and sometimes dealing with parents that don't realize that, you know, their little Johnny, just he's just not making it. You know, that's why he's not playing uh, anymore. It seems like uh, parents go over your head and go to school boards or go to administrators, you know, and then just causes all kinds of havoc. But I don't miss that part. I miss I do miss the atmosphere of being in the locker room and, and talking to kids and watching them be successful. Uh, I, I think they'll help and do do radio with Greg Bakeman, who to me is one of the best radio announcers in, in the whole state of Indiana, by the way. It, it helps me because I'm still involved in the game. Uh, Greg's really, really good about uh, what he sees on the floor, and he'll ask me my opinion on things, and it's a lot of fun. And, and Dave Smith and I, assistant coach, we do a lot of radio together for baseball, softball, and basketball. So it's, it keeps me in the game. And, keep me around it and that's that's the way I get through you know missing that part of the game do you think the high school game today do you think it will still progress and be as strong as it was is it is it it is what it is or you know can you compare a little bit of class basketball versus you know um, well it's it, it, like I like you just said it is what it is and we have no control over the rules that are going to be changed you know I just heard a coach talk the other day on the radio about want to put in the shot clock i mean well that's good that's all good and done but you know you're going to have kids taking bad shots and they already they already do take bad shots in the high school level but now you're going to have kids taking even worse shots if you have a, a clock and that's that's a lot of coaches that don't like teams that come out and you know work for a shot or use a little bit of delay game because they're not as big as other schools but you know like i said a while ago all the way through the tournament in 1975 we played 3a and 4a schools and had a lot of success but I think I think the approach these days, uh, because of class basketball as a coach, is a little bit different. Uh, you prepare for teams that are just your level only, and you know you don't prepare for the Jaspers and the, and the Washington and the Columbus Norths and the Steamers because you don't play it anymore. So in, in that respect, it's it's changed. Um, is it for the better? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, in this day and age where everybody gets a trophy, it's kind of sad because you're not teaching them, you know, to be. Uh, a graceful winner and you know even a graceful loser and then learn and say hey i lost i'm gonna work harder tomorrow you know uh everybody gets a trophy and everybody feels good about themselves and they and they try to say that's that's the way it is with the four state champions I, and i really don't buy that because you still have to go through all the trials and tribulations of getting to the final game uh everything that comes away you still have to work hard and you still have to accomplish that and for me uh, you know these players that won 2012. That that's just something they're gonna they're gonna you know have in their life as long as they live. And you know we had a five year reunion last year, and 
Uh, everybody came back and had a great time talking about it. We watched the two games, the Summer State and the Final in the State, and just it just is a lot of fun. You know, great night. A lot of people showed up, and and those things are what special. Uh, and how did you get into the? Um, so do you are you uh, like a play by play with the radio uh, gig? How's how well, how did that start, and how does that work? Well, Greg Greg's a play by play. I'm just a killer guy. I sit there and make make uh, remarks, good or bad, funny or not, you know, and, and talk about the game. But we have a lot of fun. I just started doing that as soon as I got out. Uh, they needed some help, so I said, "Yeah, what the heck," you know, and. We do a lot of girls' games. We do the boys' games. Uh, we also we even do volleyball games here at Lagoa because that's how big volleyball is around here. And uh, we do baseball and softball. Have a lot of fun. It, it, it keeps me in the game. You know, I really miss baseball too. I coached that for 20 years. And um, when I got out to coach varsity basketball, that really hit me hard. I, I missed it. And the first time back in the booth doing a baseball game that spring kind of helped because I could you know I just kind of watch the game and talk about baseball. And that helped out a lot too, because I really enjoy coaching baseball. But uh, radio is fun; it, it just it keeps you involved in the game, and, and it keeps you around the kids. Well, Coach Wagner, uh, 2012 state champion, uh, state championship coach, uh, just years and years and years in basketball in the Lagodi area. Thank you so much for taking some time, and uh, uh, appreciate you sharing your memories. And uh, I think everyone will enjoy this. Well, I appreciate that too, and I like I said, I, I appreciate what you're doing because. You're really keeping the old, uh, the old school basketball nostalgia alive because everybody around here, you know how Southern Indiana is. You know they live and they live and die with basketball around here, and it's it's really neat that that we can have these things and talk about it. And uh, I, I appreciate you giving me a call, Phil. A basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, how can you ever find out what he could really do? I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. The Keeping the Nostalgia Live show is sponsored by The Dunk Collection. The Dunk Collection connects sports-minded individuals to basketball-inspired home products meticulously designed to help combat life's most mundane chores. Dirty clothes on the floor? Put a dirty dunk on the door. The Dirty Dunk is the original over-the-door basketball hoop laundry hamper designed to make laundry a slam dunk. Do you have a messy office? Try a document dunk, the original trash can basketball stand designed for those who compete in the corporate arena. You're just one shot away from turning your cubicle into the corner office you deserve. Bath time blues? Make bath time fun with the Scrub-A-Dunk, the original basketball hoop for baby ballers. Attached to the tub and Scrub-A-Dub-Dub. The Dunk Collection, making boring chores a slam dunk. Basketball courts, they are a big part of the game. And sometimes all we can get is just a little piece of it. Indiana has a great tradition of putting legendary teams on the court, and you can put a legendary court in your home or business. Whether you're looking for a motivational or marketing piece to advertise your business, or a family court to pass down to your kids someday to your favorite high school team, we would like to help you make a realistically scaled Maplewood court for you. From personal wants or even a high school raffle, school admins, this means you. Please visit us at facebook.com backslash minicourts, M-I-N-I-C-O-U-R-T-S, for more details on what we can do. Athletic directors, business owners, or fans alike, please get in touch and like our page. Court sizes are 29 by 19 inches for high school and 32 by 19 for college and pro. We are working on parquet floors as well. We also want to make sure your school gets their share, so we want to work with them to give them their cut. 
So check us out at Land of Many Basketball Courts at facebook.com backslash M-I-N-I-C-O-U-R-T-S. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I'm your host, Billy Powell. Uh, please go to our uh, library of podcast shows if you want to hear some of the uh, great interviews we've done in the past at keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. We have over 125 interviews. Uh, please go to the library. Feel free to download any and listen and uh, comment and enjoy. Um, a little bit before I introduce our guest today... Um, of course, I, I'm assuming everybody knows I went to Broderpool from 82 to 86, and, and before that I watched Indianapolis, Washington, and Basil, Coach Basil Sofredo and, and his basketball teams, and, and I wasn't a very good basketball player. So, you know, I was one of those basketball players that if I hit a shot in practice, people would stop, look, and be like, wow. So, you know, I, I wasn't a very good basketball player, but I loved the game, so I immersed myself in the game. And up until about five years ago when I started uh, my uh, Facebook page, and stuff like this on the game from Indiana High School Basketball. Uh, I immersed myself. So, you know, like uh, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame member Gene Ring was our athletic director who played for Branch McCracken. Uh, Bill Smith, my basketball coach, won the state championship in 1980. You know, uh, uh, legends would come in and out of the athletic director's office at Broderpool, like Rick Mount. Um, you know, and, and in four years with Broderpool, I got to see Coach Sam Alford coach. Uh, and, we, you know, we, we traveled the state to play basketball, and I immersed myself in that. And, and not a very good basketball player, but hopefully I'm giving back a little bit by uh, doing these interviews and, and uh, uh, keeping the nostalgia alive with this great game uh, of basketball in Indiana. And uh, with that being said, I'd like to introduce our uh, uh, guest for today uh, his, is Coach Kevin Biggs, uh, a 13-year uh, assistant to the legendary Coach Jack Butcher. And uh, uh, we are going to talk about uh, nostalgia, basketball memories, uh, about the high school basketball game in the state of Indiana. Coach Biggs, thank you so much for spending some time with us today to help keep the nostalgia alive. Uh, thank you, Billy. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, actually, my name's Kevin, not Kevin. So. Uh, well, you, you, you have an extra, there's an extra E in there, and uh, last name Biggs, and last name Biggs would be a great, great baseball name if you had gone on to play baseball. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I wasn't very. I was. Uh, I wasn't that great of an athlete. Uh, so, so where did where did Keaton come from? What was that a family name, or how how did that come about? Well, uh, I have a twin sister uh, named Karen, and uh, I, I'm not sure my uh, my mother invented it, I guess, and thought it sounded good with uh, with Karen. And actually, over the course of my life, I've met. Uh, five or six other uh, people with the same name. Some spelled, spelled the same way and some spelled a little differently. What, where were you born and raised at, and what are your first recollections of the game of basketball, who, or who introduced you to the game? Well, uh, I grew up in a, a little town in Knox County uh, called Monroe City. Actually grew up outside of Monroe City in a, in a little farming area that had a... Uh, uh, a little country store and a couple of churches and uh, uh, just all uh, family farms all the way around. It was called Calmuck, if you can believe it. But it was a beautiful little place and a great place to grow up. And uh, I attended Monroe City High School where the uh, high school basketball team was the Blue Jeans. 
and they'd had uh, quite a bit of success over the years. Uh, they'd won the Wabash Valley in 1949. They won it again the year after I graduated in, in 1967. But uh, they had some great teams uh, over the years, and uh, one of the particular teams I remember was uh, the 1961 team, uh, uh, and they uh, were defeated finally by uh, uh, Jasper Wildcats in the regional, I think, by one point. So it was a, it was a great team that year. And I hope uh, I, I apologize for butchering your name. Uh, I, I butchered to, uh, Coach Todrank's name for about two years before he set me straight on how to pronounce his name. So I apologize about uh, butchering <laughs> oh, your first no, name. No problem. I, I answered about anything. So. Yeah, my, my uncle used to tell me, well, you can call me anything you want, but just not uh, late for dinner. Correct. So so tell me about, uh, I mean, what was the game of high school basketball like at that point in time? I mean, uh, tell us about the atmosphere at the games, and do you remember the first game that you went to, a uh, high school basketball game that you went to? Well, I was I was pretty small. Uh, guys, from the, from the first time, you know, when we had our recesses when I was in elementary school, uh, you know, loved to go to the gym and, and shoot baskets. And uh, I, the first time I went to a basketball game at Monroe City uh, like I said and it was probably somewhere around that 60-61 team uh, I just fell in love with the game and uh, uh, it was back in back in those days it was all pretty much run and gun not much defense and and uh, teams would score 90 to 100 points uh, uh, you know all the time and uh, we had some uh Big old German farm boys that uh, uh, they grew them pretty big there in Monroe City, and uh, I think we had a uh, about 140 in the high school, and and we were competing in a sectional at Vincennes against uh, Vincennes Lincoln, who I think at that time they had probably close to 1,400 students. So, uh, and uh, at one point I think they won 26 sectionals in a row. So usually if anybody beat them, it was a uh, it was usually uh, uh, Monroe City that, in my uh, era, that that did it. So uh, anyway, uh, some great teams at that time. And uh, uh, I was um, uh, so into the game that my and my parents weren't interested in it too much. So I had a couple of mentors that kind of took me to see the games. One one guy was a uh, the local funeral home director. His name was Kenny Smith. He always made sure I got to see all of Monroe City's away games. And another guy was a, a guy by the name of Merlin Merlin Berry, who was a, a brother to uh, the Monroe City coach in, in 1961. His name was Jack Berry, and uh, he'd won the uh, Vincent Sectional uh, in 1961. Anyway, Merlin uh, took me to see. Uh, Evansville College Aces and uh, just all over the place to see basketball and I remember the first time I walked into Roberts Stadium and that was uh, you know during the era of Jerry Sloan and Larry Humes I thought it was the biggest place I'd ever seen in my life. A sea of red shirts uh, Eric McCutcheon always had the, the uh, fans to wear red for, and uh, he'd done some research on it for some reason he thought that was a, a good background color for for people to shoot free throws against and uh, even though they were called the purple aces all the fans wore red and uh, so uh, it, it was quite an atmosphere to go in there and and before the game uh, 
when Humes and Sloan played, I remember, uh, Humes would stand over in the corner and shoot hook shots from the corner just to rouse the crowd. And, and uh, you know, he'd hit about every uh, nine out of ten that he took. So uh, it was uh, it was really thrilling to go there and watch, watch Evansville College at the time. So, so being a late bloomer that you said you were, I mean, did you did you go to all the basketball games? Did you did you even think in high school uh, of what you wanted to do once you graduated high school? Did you even think that eventually you'd be sitting on the same sidelines as co- the legendary coach Jack Butcher? <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams. Uh, I, uh, uh, I I think I told you earlier. I started playing basketball, you know, from the time I was small, but I wasn't very good. My parents lived a, a, a long way from uh, the school, and uh, my dad wasn't really into it. So uh, e- even me getting to practice would have been a problem. But uh, but anyway, I as I got older, I played a lot of uh, uh, basketball in the outdoor courts. And uh, Joe Todrink was uh, our coach at, at Monroe City when I was in high school. Uh, I believe Joe was there from 63 to through 66 he was my uh, health teacher PE teacher and driver ed teacher and Joe and I had became really good friends when I was in high school so uh, and we're still friends today and uh, it was a uh, it was kind of a big thrill then later on in my life to and career to to be able to coach against him and some of his his teams uh, uh, Joe had played uh, college ball with my uh, cousin at uh, Oakland City University they were co-captains on that team and they took that uh, Oakland City University team to the finals in the NAIA in Kansas City and uh, I can remember seeing Joe coming down the court full blast as as a playing guard and uh, looking one direction and making that one-handed shovel pass uh, to the inside the other way and and you had better have your eyes open and be awake if you wanted to catch that pass. So uh, he was quite a great basketball player himself. And uh, so anyway, it was a lot of fun uh, with uh, with Joe there at Monroe City. And uh, always a good, uh, great teacher and a good time in his class. So so tell us, you know, he was just inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. I mean, tell us a little bit about him. I mean, uh, was, was he the same kind of person on the sidelines as a coach as he was a teacher? Yeah, I think he was. He, uh, you know, Joe uh, is the type of guy that uh, when he was coaching, uh, you know, he was a fierce competitor. But, you know, once the game was over, why, you know, you know he was your friend and uh, uh joe's always been that way and and just just a great guy he and jack i know have been friends for years and and people uh you know they they were such fierce competitors on the court that probably a lot of people don't know that but uh uh you know they they always respected admired and and uh and i think even uh, after they quit coaching even uh, done several things together so uh that was it was a lot of uh uh, camaraderie there, I guess we might say. Uh, so you're getting toward the end of your high school career. Uh, uh, what are your college choices? Well, uh, you know, I, I ended up going to, uh, uh, you know, my dad died when uh, when I was a, uh, about, well, I guess I'd been graduated about uh, 10 days and he passed away. And 
we had a lot of uh, hospital bills. I was flat broke. I wasn't sure how I was going to college. And, and about a month before uh, high school was over, my principal uh, took me and another guy into Vincent University, and we ended up with a uh, I ended up with a scholarship and a grant in aid to go to Vincent University. And uh, so anyway, I, I worked uh, 50 hours a week and, and went to school full time and uh, at Vincent University. And, uh, you know, got to watch Alan Bradfield there at Vincent University, who'd won several uh, National Junior College championships. And his assistant at the time was a uh, a guy by the name of Jerry Reynolds, who uh, also hailed from Larry Bird's hometown, French Slick. And uh, Jerry uh, taught a basketball class, and I ended up in that class. So uh, I was lucky enough to, to become his friend and, and, and take that class under him and learn quite a bit about him. And, and as you might, as you know, I'm sure, Jerry is a former coach for the Sacramento Kings and, and now is a broadcaster for the Kings. And, and uh uh, he and Coach Hugh Schaefer from South Knox were roommates in college. Uh, I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Oh, wow. But, uh, uh, anyway, uh, Jerry was a, a great guy, and, and I, I used to love to watch uh, Vincent University and Alan Bradfield uh, guys, uh, and the guys that were there when I was there. I remember a couple of big guys by the name of Robert McAdoo and, uh, and uh, a guy by the name of uh, Wayne Kennedy. And uh, they, uh, McAdoo, I think he was about six eight or six nine. Candidate was probably six seven and had shoulders about uh, six feet wide. And uh, anyway, uh, a great uh, pair to watch. And then uh, I think my senior year, Willie Humes came in and was playing. In fact, I, I played a pickup game against him once and uh, had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, what, uh, <laughs> Before I, uh, uh, while I was at Vincent University. Uh, Sam Alford came in as a coach at Monroe City in 1967, and uh, he led them to uh, the Wabash Valley Tournament Championship. Now, the, uh, I'm not sure if your viewers know, but the Wabash Valley uh, Tournament was the largest uh, non-state tournament in, in the United States. And I think uh, Monroe City won it twice. I think the first time they it had about 108 teams in it in 1949, uh, and they uh, that team was defeated by Jasper in the regional. Jasper, as you know, in 1949 went on to win the state championship. So, uh, and uh, they had uh, played Lagodi in the afternoon, and uh, their their uh, second leading scorer was injured. He didn't see much action that night against Jasper. So. Uh, Unfortunately, they got beat by Jasper, who went on to win the win the state that year. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, Sam Alford came in to Monroe City uh, whenever I a uh, year after I graduated. And uh, Sam, uh, he was in the following year. He was named the head coach at the New South Knox High School. And uh, Sam and I became good friends. And I remember watching his son Steve Alford, who was about five years old at the time out practicing on the outdoor courts there at Monroe City. And uh, I love to watch Sam coach because he was such a great motivator. I remember uh, when his team would be down and they would all of a sudden he would uh, uh, they would be coming back and he would meet them sometimes at center court for his timeout sessions. So he was that uh, excited about and, and uh, motivating the team that much. It was, it was great to watch him coach. 
you know, it's interesting and fun. You know, I always try to find some kind of six degrees of separation with the uh, those that I interview. And and you watch Steve Offord at five years old practicing with, uh, you know, shooting baskets. And, and when I was a freshman in high school, I watched Steve Offord put 57 points up against my Broadwell High School Rockets, 25 for 25 from the free throw line. Well, you know, I remember uh, going to the uh, state finals, and uh, I think Steve was a sophomore, and uh, and they had gotten beat, and I think they'd gotten beat in the semi-state, and uh, uh, Hugh Schaefer had been uh, Sam Alford's assistant, and uh, Hugh and I had been talking, and Sam came down the aisle with Steve, and he introduced uh, Steve to all of us, and and after he left, uh, Hugh said, uh, that's going to be Mr. Basketball in two years. And sure enough, it, it certainly was. Was uh, uh, was uh, Coach Jerry Reynolds as funny back then as he is today? He, he, he really was. He was he was a lot of fun to uh, uh, to be around. And, and uh, uh, anyway, he, he also knew a lot about the game of basketball, too. And uh, it was, uh, you know, at that point, I – I had watched uh, run and gun teams and and uh, didn't know much about the strategy of, of basketball except uh, you know uh, getting the basketball and throwing it down court and trying to get it, beat somebody down to get a layup. But uh, you know Jerry taught a lot of, uh, of the uh, X's and O's and things like that, so that that was a lot of fun. While you were at Vincennes, were you trying, or what was what was your mindset with? Uh, um, I know you were working fifty hours a week and going to school at the same time, but um, uh, did you think about wanting to be involved with the game of basketball? And and how did that work out for you that you got into the game of basketball and coaching? Well, you know, uh, it, it's funny because I, I I was always such a a huge fan and always a, a student of the game, you know, and. Uh, uh, at that time, I knew, uh, uh, particularly by the second year at Vincennes, I knew I wanted to teach. And uh, so, uh, anyway, I ended up uh, uh, going to uh, Oakland City University my last two years. And uh, uh, while I was there, uh, you know, I ended up with a degree in English uh, and uh, happened to walk along the uh, the quarter one day and, and saw a bulletin board and uh, you know this was time when I the time when I was looking for a teaching job and it said there was an opening at Washington Indiana and so I went to uh, uh, Washington and interviewed for a high a junior high English job and uh, uh, when I'd been looking at that bulletin board I saw there was also an opening at Ligoti and I thought well if I get out of this in time, I'll, I'll drive on over to Ligoti and apply for that position as well. So, so anyway, they took me to lunch at Washington and, and said, well, we'll call you in a couple of weeks. And uh, so after I left there, I, I went to, uh, to Ligoti to apply for the job. And the and, uh, superintendent said uh, when I got there, he said, well, uh, the principal and I are in the office. Uh, just come back and we'll interview you now. And so... Uh, I went back and they interviewed me and he said asked me to wait in the outer office for a few moments and back then the, I heard the telephone jingle on the outer office a little bit and I, I thought well maybe they're calling uh, you know some of the people that I'd put down uh, to call and uh, 
So anyway, in about five minutes, he opened the door and he said uh, to his secretary, uh, Jeanette, type this young man up a contract. And uh, I hadn't even told my wife, but I, I got married between my junior and senior year. I hadn't even told my wife that at that time that I was going there. So I said, let me take that contract home with me and I'll bring it back. And uh, so anyway, I took it home. We went to Ligoti that evening, started looking for a place to live, and, and I ended up there. <coughs> and uh, I taught there uh, for several years. That was 1970, and Ligoti had the, uh, at that time, uh, they had been losing teachers, and they decided they would up their wages a little bit, so they had the highest starting uh uh, salary in the state uh, for a bachelor degree teacher, which was seven th- the great amount of seven thousand two hundred and ten dollars at that time. <laughs> uh, I thought I was I thought I was rich. So so anyway, I coached English for a few years, and, and then uh, you know about that time, uh, you know the seventies were the great time for uh, Ligoti basketball. This was just I went seventy and seventy one just after they'd gone to the state in 1970 and I had seen Jack Butcher coach and uh, so anyway uh, about 70 uh, 71 one of the guys that came into my class as a freshman English student was Bill Butcher and uh, I was immediately impressed with Bill because uh, you know he was tall and bright and just a very mature young man and uh, that year he became a starting guard and uh, ended up uh, playing for Jack for four years. And uh, I think he scored about 1,350 points, something like that. But the thing about Bill was he sacrificed his own scoring for the good of the team, which is what Ligoti was all about. You know, it was a, a, a team concept there. And, and uh, anyway, during his junior year, Bill uh, led Ligoti to – uh, Springs Valley, and and we ended up beating Larry Bird and and his team there at, at Springs Valley with uh, one of the greatest uh, games I ever saw. Both Bob Knight and Joe B. Hall were in attendance, and uh, Bill outscored Larry 36 to 32. There were so many people in the gym that night that uh, moisture was dripping off the ceiling onto the floor, and they had to stop the game every once in a while and wipe the the floor off. I think people would sit in line from like three or four o'clock on to get into that game. So it was it was quite an amazing game. And then uh, you know, Bill, uh, he uh, his following year, he uh, he in 1975, he led his team to the final game of the state championship. And uh, I guess the uh, the great thing about it was, and what I I always thought this was maybe the I always, as I told him that uh, a few weeks ago at the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, I think this is a, was the second greatest story uh, in uh, high school basketball in Indiana because Ligoti was the smallest school to appear in the championship game of the state final since Milan in 1954. And uh, not only that, but Bill took, he led this team as a senior with. Uh, two five ten forwards and a humongous six three center and a couple of skinny guards and uh, in the afternoon game uh, up, up at Indianapolis they had played uh, uh, Columbus North Columbus North had uh, two six eights and a six seven and all week 
uh, all the newspapers in Indiana were going, how is Lagoda going to handle the size of Columbus North? Well, uh, it was kind of funny when, you, when they went out on the floor with our small players and their, their really big ones. And, and uh, we had a, a, a kid uh, by the name of uh, Mike Mattingly that jumped center. I'm sorry, Kenny Mattingly jumped center. I'm getting the two brothers mixed up. Kenny was about 5'10", but Kenny had uh, legs uh, that they said around Lagodi were like tree trunks. And uh, uh, Kenny could jump out of the gym, and uh, he out-jumped that 6'8 kid. We ended up with the with the tip, and uh, we ended up, I think, beating Columbus North in that afternoon game 50 to, to 27. And then uh, that... Uh, that uh, evening, that was I think they only had about three hours rest, and then that evening they they had to play Marion, and uh, they ended up I think be, getting beat eleven or twelve points in the championship game by Marion. But up to that time they were undefeated. They were uh, I think twenty seven and zero or something. So uh, it was just an amazing year that uh, Bill Butcher led uh, his team, and I, I'm certainly hoping that uh, Bill is. Uh, inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame because uh, just his leadership, his ball handling, his passing, uh, it was just uh, tremendous. And uh, he was just like uh, a coach on the floor. And uh, and without him, they would have never been able to do that. It was, it was an amazing year. What was that relationship like, too? Because you know, uh, especially with a, a, a you know a, a you know Jack Butcher and his son, what what kind of a relationship did they have during those uh, those years that Bill was uh, such an outstanding player for Coach Butcher? Well, you know, Bill was such a, a good kid and, and got along with everybody, and uh, <coughs> Jack, uh, you know, he you know the. The people with the most talent are the ones that he he gets on their case probably the most. And uh, you know, Bill, uh, he's just the type of kid that could take that all in stride and uh, and just come out uh, doing what he was supposed to do and and just being a, a floor general, if you if you will. And uh, I, I think they had a great relationship. I think in the semi-state game, uh, and I, I don't know if you recall this or not, but. Uh, uh, Lagodi was ahead, and uh, we were uh, maybe holding the ball the last 30 seconds or so. And about 10 seconds to go, Bill's dri- dribbling around with our delay game. And uh, instead of passing it to one of his teammates, he turns and passes the ball to his dad on the sideline. <laughs> and uh, the the uh, the, the uh, uh, writers and uh, and and the fans just went wild with it, with it. So uh, and they had a, had a great love for each other and still do, you know. Uh, uh, Coach, tell us a little bit. You know, I, I've interviewed people from uh, the north, south, east, west, and Indiana. What is it about the passion for the game of high school basketball from Lagodian and Southern Indiana? What, what what's it all about? Well, you know. Uh, Lagodi basketball, uh, it's just uh, it's just amazing. Uh, myself, when I got involved with, I started watching it when I first got there, you know. And like I said, uh, Jack knew that I was a huge fan, and uh, uh, it was just uh, I'd never seen anything quite like it. Uh, Monroe City, we had some great teams, but 
at Ligoti, it was just, you know, they had a gym that, uh, our, our gym, I think it seats 4,800 and uh, have a maximum capacity of like 5,400 there. But, but, uh, you know, every Friday or Saturday night, that thing was packed standing room only. And, uh, it, you know, for a count of 2,500 people with a 4,800, uh, seat gymnasium, that's, that's a little different too, you know, but, uh, like I said, it was, it was just an amazing atmosphere and nobody ever missed, missed the game. I think when they went to the state in 75, it was like, uh, somebody put up a sign that said, uh, the last one out of town, turn off the lights. And, uh, so, uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, everybody in town was a huge fan. And uh, uh, in 1977, Jack came to me and asked me to take the seventh grade team. And uh, so uh, I didn't know much about basketball. And uh, the eighth grade, except what, you know, being a student of it, I hadn't coached or anything. And, and uh, so I was coaching with a guy by the name of Lee Cavanaugh. And Lee Cavanaugh is, was probably one of the greatest fundamental coaches anywhere. Uh, the kids called him Leaper because he would leap off the off his chair during the games. And uh, he was a very competitive guy and just a lot of fun to tease and be around. But one thing he was completely serious about was, was uh, basketball. And I used to tease him and say, Lee, you've got more wins than Jack does. And uh, <laughs> But uh, anyway, I was fortunate enough, I uh, uh, had a great group of seventh graders, and, and uh, Southridge, uh, the, the year before, had beaten them, and uh, so they were having a holiday tournament, and they decided they would invite Lagodi down for it, and uh, so we got down there, and, and they had a trophy that looked almost like a state championship trophy. It was that large, because I think they were pretty confident that they were going to win it, and uh so uh, anyway, we we came up with a couple of uh, uh, unique plays because kids in junior high don't switch off on, on defense very well, and uh, we were first uh, uh, ten times I think first five times down the floor we had uh, we were running uh, plays and we had uh, five wide open layups and we had them ten to nothing. Well, in the, in the second half they came back and they had a, a, a kid by the name of Raisner whose uh, father, Ray Raisner, was the head coach of Southridge. He's quite a shooter, and he started shooting, and, and he brought him back and tied him up. And I, I asked Lee, I said, Lee, uh, I said, what would you think if I went boxing one on that kid? And Lee said, well, have you ever done it in practice? And I said, no. But I said, i got to do something. So we went boxing one and uh, shut him off, and we ended up winning eight or ten points and, and won the championship there. And then the then the following year, I was able to win the Jasper, big uh, Jasper JV tournament. So uh, in 1979, when uh, Tim Nante stopped coaching, Jack asked me to become his assistant and JV coach, and, and I coached in that position for, for 13 years. And looking back on it, uh, you know, I think Jack really took a chance on me, uh, a guy who'd only coached for a couple of years and who hadn't played much, to replace a great coach like Tim Nante, uh, and uh, who had uh, such a great record and, and such experience, but uh, the thing about it was Jack and I pretty much had the same philosophies, and I'd always been a student of the game, and I think I was I was a fairly quick study. Uh, I think during uh, 
my time there in 13 years, I think we won nine blue chip JV championships. So I think we did okay. Uh, but uh, anyway, one of the big things about Lagodi basketball was that the uh, the JV and assistant coach and Tim Nante uh, was doing this before I went into it, was the eight week summer basketball program we had and I ran that for 13 years and it was for kids going into the fourth through the ninth grades and uh, uh, the first four weeks we would just basically work on fundamentals and then the second four we would play a few games against uh, uh, Vincennes and uh, Jasper, Barry, even some of the areas, area schools and sometimes we'd have schools like Brazil or, or some of the schools over around New Al- Albany come in and and play us uh, as well in the summertime, but uh, uh, but many people might be surprised by this, but it was pretty easy to work for Jack Butcher. Uh, he expected us to teach the fundamentals, and he had an overall philosophy of basketball, which everybody tried to follow. But other than that, he let, left us alone and let us coach and didn't interfere. Uh, he definitely was not a micromanager. Uh, we were on our own and uh, uh, anyway it was it was uh, it was a good fun time uh, coaching those two years in junior high was one of the most uh, fun experiences I ever had and I had some great kids that played for me in, in not only junior high but also in high school and uh, you know a lot of people you know they always talk about uh, uh, Lagodi being butcher ball or the delay game and uh, you know a lot of J- Jack's team scored you know, 90, 80, 90, sometimes 100 points. And uh, the delay game with Jack was not necessarily a stall tactic. Tactic. It was it was designed to spread the defense through the entire floor, and it was designed for you to then be able to take your opponent one-on-one and score. It said to your opponents, we have the lead in the ball, and if you want the ball, you must come out and get it. And when they came out, we would run our patterned offense and end up either shooting free throws or a high percentage shot under the basket. Uh, so uh, anyway, it was uh, uh, the, the delay game was good to Ligoti. We would always uh, go for uh, the last shot of the quarter. We always wanted to be the last team to score in the quarter. And uh, most of the time, we, w- we were able to do that. You know, sometimes we weren't. Uh, but, uh, but Jack, uh, you know, uh, playing at Ligoti was, uh, uh, it was part of being uh, uh, part of a team. And it was not just the team that you were playing with. It was uh, everybody that ever, ever coached or ever played for Jack was part of that team. And uh, uh, Jack, uh, he had a quote one time. He said, it's been my experience through my coaching career at Ligoti High School that whenever somebody is needed in a particular situation, that one or more of our fine athletes rise to the occasion, endearing themselves to me, their school, and their fans. And, and uh, you know, that that's just always it. He, he would always get those kids to rise to the occasion. Coach Butcher was actually quite a basketball player himself, wasn't he? Well, you know, Jack was a, a great basketball player. Uh, he... Uh, he played basketball at Ligoti for a guy by the name of Coach Leo Costello. And uh, when he was in high school, they won all four of their sectionals while, while he was playing. Now, Jack had lost his dad 
I think when he was only three months old in an automobile accident. So he was raised by his mother, and there were a couple of gentlemen in town that were bachelors that kind of took that owned businesses, and and they kind of took him under their wings, and and they became like second fathers to him, and they were very interested in athletics. So uh, Jack kind of grew up as, in my opinion, as kind of a, a tough street kid, and uh, he became uh, began playing basketball at a young age, and and uh, when he graduated from high school, then uh, after winning those four straight sectionals. Uh, he got a scholarship to play basketball at Memphis State University. And uh, Jack played there for a couple of years, and, and then he took a hiatus to, to serve in the United States Army. And uh, he was uh, in the Army for two years after he was drafted. And then after he served his country, <laughs> believe it or not, he, he came back and finished his last two years playing basketball at Memphis State. And in his senior year, he, took, he led them to the final game of the NIT tournament in Madison Square Garden in New York City. Now, if you know know much about basketball, you know at that time in the mid-50s, that the was NIT the was the big tournament, yeah. the NCAA was the second tournament. Right. And uh, the New York Times, they had a, I, I saw this uh, article in the New York Times, I think Hugh Schaefer showed it to me, and it said, the New York Times said, is there a better guard in the country than Jack Butcher? And in the final game, I think, against Bradley, Jack scored 18 points, and he was one of the most valuable players in the tournament. Uh, he had a, a Memphis newspaper one time, and uh, it showed uh, on the front page was a photo of a man holding up another newspaper <laughs> of the starting five at Memphis, and it said, this is Memphis State's hugest supporter, and the guy holding up the paper was Elvis Presley. And uh, so... <laughs> I thought that was a, a pretty impressive. Anyway, in, in 1957, after uh, graduating, he was drafted by the Boston Celtics. But at that time, he was married with a family, and he needed a steady job. And he'd run into his old coach, uh, who was Leo Costello. And uh, I guess Coach Costello had told him that there would be an opening, possibly at Ligoti. And he came back to Ligoti and and decided to coach and he got the job and and uh, before uh, the summer was over he was going to be the assistant the head coach resigned and took a job at uh, crane naval base and so uh, jack was uh, always a head coach and he lasted in that job for 45 years so <laughs> uh, uh, quite a uh, you know he had quite a uh, career uh, to say the least and then uh, you know uh, from that time on a career coaching and uh, you know uh, if you if you look at that you know in his 45 years most of it in single class <coughs> he, he took uh, Ligoti to the state finals in 70 and and he was runner up in 75 uh, he became the all time winningest coach in Indiana basketball history uh, named Indiana basketball coach of the year Two different times. Uh, I think in 2002 he was named National Coach of the Year. Uh, he was named the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. And the most amazing statistic is that over 45-year coaching career on a 20-game season, he averaged winning 18 games a year. Now, to me, that fact alone is, you know, it's almost unbelievable. 
Well, uh, Coach Butcher, besides uh, those legendary statistics and, uh, you know, 45 years of coaching, 18 uh, victories a, a year and his longevity, he was also an inventor, right? Well, you know, he was. Uh, Jack, uh, he had a, uh, a couple of, uh, of little uh, things that uh, he, uh, he invented to, to help the kids, uh, you know, work on specific uh, parts of their game. Uh, one of them was uh, he 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 had these little uh, boxes made, and uh, he had a uh, an attachment to it to like a little soccer ball, and it would hang down several inches from the top of that board. That and, and the the board apparatus could be attached across the corner of a bleacher. Uh, you'd put one on one side of a corner of a bleacher and one on the other, and, and spread them maybe. Uh, maybe 10 feet apart and uh, they would do a drill where they would have to uh, uh, shift slide from one to the other and make a swipe at the ball underhanded going from the underhand to the top you know you never teach a kid to go over the top of the ball but under the ball and uh, you know this was a great drill it taught kids a, a defensive position they would have to do that for you know, a couple minutes at a time, and it was a it would it would wear you out to to do that, and uh, so that was one of the the things that he invented. And then another thing that he did did was a, a rebounding apparatus. He uh, he would tie one rope to the uh, bottom of a, a basketball net, and then he would uh, tie another rope to, also to the bottom, but it would go thread through the middle of the rim up over the top of the bank board he had a pulley on the top of the bank board and then he would take the rope and he could jerk that that ball out of the basket uh, in any direction he wanted it to go uh, by those two ropes and uh, the kids would then uh, block out and then go go for the rebound and as soon as he pulled it out well they were all supposed to yell rebound and they were supposed to uh Blocked out and then release and go get the ball and it was a, it was a great rebounding drill and uh, with the little uh, most of the little Irish uh, guys at Ligoti you know it was uh, it was uh, something we needed to do we needed to definitely block out all the time uh, as as most teams were always bigger than we were. Coach, you also had the pleasure of coaching your own son, right? Well, I did. You know. Uh, uh, Ryan, uh, he played for me uh, uh, basically like in summer basketball all the way up, and then uh, he played for me on the JV team for three years. He finally uh, was a starter when he was a senior, and uh, uh, he it uh, was a lot of fun for uh, for uh, me to coach him. Uh, I guess. Uh, uh, in the seventh and eighth grade, Ryan uh, he was in the state KSC contest. And I think he was runner up both of those years in Indianapolis in the state KSC contest. And, but anyway, you know, uh, and that brings me up to to something else. Uh, you know, Jack. Uh, uh, you know, he not only taught basketball, but he taught uh, people how to uh, be, become. A good solid human beings and contributors to society and you know Ryan now he lives in uh, near you down in San Antonio and uh, uh, he is uh, 
uh, head of regulatory affairs for Endeavor uh, Corporation down there. So, uh, uh, you know, and he's not the only one. I mean, uh, there are so many of the guys that played for Jack that have uh, such great jobs and, and have done so well in life. So, uh, 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 you know, uh, tip my tip of my hat to Jack for, you know, what he did for that. You know, Coach, you know, all the years that you coached and were around the game, uh, tell us a little bit of your, uh, a few of your starstruck moments when when some people would, uh, uh, you know, be in the locker room or, or you know, you, I mean, did you have the opportunity to meet Larry Bird? You know, you, you worked Gene Cady camps. I mean, did you did you ever stop and go, wow, I, you know, if it wasn't for what I do with the basketball game, I would not have seen or met that person? Or tell us some about, uh, about those uh, starstruck moments. Well, you know that's that's uh, very true. Uh, uh, when Ryan, I, I think my son Ryan was like nine years old, uh, I heard that uh, Larry Bird had, had just started playing professional basketball not too much before that. I heard that he was going to have a camp at uh, French Lick, and and uh, his old high school coach Jim Jones was was going to run it. So I signed uh, uh, my son up for that camp, and uh, it, it was kind of great for him because. Uh, it was held in the what's now the uh, the uh, the old uh, hotel there at uh, West Baden uh, with the uh, with the huge dome and they brought in portable goals and the kids stayed in the old hotel rooms and uh, anyway it was a, it was a great uh, a great time and I have a picture of uh, uh, Brian sitting on Larry Bird's lap and when he's about nine years old there with with that picture so. Uh, that was a, a, a great time to, to meet a lot of those guys. And, and then, uh, like you said, I worked uh, Gene Cady's camp uh, for two or three weeks for several years. And uh, uh, Bruce Weber pretty much ran the camp. Bruce went on to success, I think, at SIU and, and then at Illinois and, and then at Kansas State, I believe. But uh, uh, anyway, you know, just meeting those guys and, and uh, the, another guy that came in to Purdue camp all the time was, was Rick Mount. And uh, Rick would come in one day a week and teach uh, shooting. And uh, I got to be pretty good friends with Rick. And, and I remember him talking about when he shot free throws, he would line the bow stem up between his index and his middle finger and to shoot the free throws. So I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, I remember watching uh, Rick. Uh, talking about shooting uh, in the gym in front of uh, maybe three or four hundred kids and uh, he's probably close to 50 years old with a microphone uh, strapped around his chin and I can remember him shooting and hitting 100 shots in a row at that age so you know he still had it and uh, uh, just to see that and then uh, uh, my son also went to Bob Knight's camp at IU every year and uh, he had some great stories to, to, talk, to talk, tell about uh, uh, being at camp with, with him. But uh, I remember uh, Bob Knight, uh, you know, he had a quote about Jack. He said, uh, uh, Jack Butcher taught basketball the way it should be taught, and no one ever did it better. And for uh, Bob Knight to say that about anybody, uh, you know, he really uh, had a lot of respect for them. Uh, and we used to see Bob come in to – one or two games of, uh, of ours each year. Uh, he would usually come down uh, uh, during the Bloomington North game when Pat was playing there. 
and uh, then sometimes he would uh, he would come into uh, a game where he was scouting some someone uh, to be a possible player. I remember one time uh, we played South Spencer down there, and they had a, a big tall kid by the name of Kenny Perry. I think he was about six eleven or so, and, and uh, so uh, anyway. <laughs> he comes in and talks to Jack before the JV game starts and he and Jack stay in the dressing room well I go out there and uh, so I ended up uh, this is the only game in, in my life that I got tossed out of as a JV coach I got my first technical and uh, so uh, then about uh, and I felt like uh, my team was maybe 10 or 12 points maybe 15 points better than this team we were playing and about the the uh, end of the third quarter, I got my second technical. And then uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, I stood up, turned around, there was a chair behind me, and I just took and pushed it into the bleachers, and they gave me my third technical. And, of course, uh, <laughs> Knight uh, happened to be there <laughs> and see that. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I was used to him coming to our games because uh, we would see him at Bloomington North quite a bit, but looking back on it, it's kind of funny, I guess. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things that uh, a lot of stories about uh, about Jack and so forth that, uh, that I can tell as well. So, how hard or what kind of campaign would have to be driven uh, to get uh, Coach Butcher into the uh, Naismith Hall of Fame? You know, I'm not sure. I would I would love for that to happen. I know uh, uh, my son, Ryan Biggs, has nominated him for uh, the Naismith, Naismith Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, I can't see how anyone uh, across the nation would have uh, much better, higher qualifications than, than Jack would have to, to get in it. And I, I really don't know that much about it, but it's probably something we need to investigate. Uh, coach, what do you? Well, so when did you get out of the game of basketball? Are you retired? What What does uh, Coach Biggs do today? Well, uh, you know, I left uh, uh, my final uh, game in, in coaching at at Ligoti was in 1992 when my son graduated, and uh, uh, I got out uh, at that time and. Uh, of course, I've missed the game ever since. Uh, and then the following year, my uh, my uh, wife uh, Cheryl, my first wife Cheryl, uh, she uh, contracted uh, uh, breast cancer. And uh, so, uh, anyway, we uh, ended up fighting that. And uh, uh, then, uh, uh, about 14 years later, it came back again, and and she ended up. Uh, passing away and uh, so today I am remarried I married uh, uh, a lady from uh, Hopstad, Indiana named uh, Bobby Zilliak and uh, uh, she and I live just north of Evansville uh, our address is Hopstad, Indiana and uh, so uh, uh, a couple of years ago I, uh, they, uh, uh, the Catholic Church would go to St. James they uh, give the older people a prayer partner with the younger kids in their elementary school and I ended up with a, a prayer partner who was a, a tall kid he was in the 7th grade and uh, he said uh, 
I play basketball. Why don't you come and watch me play basketball? So I went to watch him. And then uh, and it, to make a long story short, uh, the following year, I ended up being uh, his and his teammates' eighth grade coach. And uh, during the seventh grade year, I think they had won one game. Well, some of these kids were tall and had some ability, but uh, they had no idea of fundamentals and uh, uh, things that uh, we taught in the third and fourth grades at Lagodi. I was teaching in ninth grade there at uh, at Hobson. Anyway, I think in the seventh grade they won one game, and in the eighth grade we ended up with a thirteen and seven record. We were runner-up in the uh, uh, Gibson Southern Tournament. Who they have a big tournament where they invite a lot of the better teams in the area, and uh, we we actually beat the best team. And then the final game, we uh, uh, I'd been trying all year to get some extra time uh, from the uh, uh, teachers and so forth to to be able to come in and maybe shoot free throws before school and that type of thing because you don't have time to do everything, but. Uh, Anyway, we couldn't hit our free throws in the final game and ended up getting beat. So, uh, but uh, anyway, it was a great uh, experience again, and and uh, I was glad I did it because it was uh, it was just a lot of fun working with these young kids again. Uh, Coach, what do you think of the state of the game today in Indiana? Oh, you know, uh, I you know basketball is basketball. I, I, I start watching the professionals, and uh, it seems like it's every man for himself. Uh, you know, uh, we taught at, uh, at Ligoti that, uh, that little things win ball games, and, and uh, Jack always said the little things are defense, rebounding, execution, and the ability to think. And uh, so... Uh, you know, you don't you don't see that so much anymore, and, uh, and it's almost like well, the the team with the most talent is always going to win, and it kind of takes coaching out of it, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I I think that what we we tried to do at Lagodi is uh, we wanted our kids to uh, win and lose as a team, and to put the team first, and to realize that. To get where they had to be, it, it took a lot of hours of practice and sacrifice, and you had to be pretty uh, selfless for the team, you know. And uh, uh, we wanted our players to assume leadership. Uh, we wanted them to try to go for a second effort, which always means making one more try. And and Jack always taught rising to the occasion, you know. Uh, uh, we always geared to win the sectional. But our focus was, uh, if we won the sectional, then everything else was kind of topping on the cake. But uh, uh, it was it was always just a a, uh, a time where uh, our kids would would play for each other, not for themselves, and uh, uh, that made it a win-win situation for everybody and for the community. And uh, we didn't turn out a lot of great college players at, at Lagodi, but we turned out a lot of quality people uh, uh, through our basketball program. And uh, uh, but back to your original question, uh, you know, I think that's dwindled down into college ranks. 
and uh, I I just don't see the uh, and and definitely you know with the with the uh, single class system in Indiana it's kind of taken away our rivalries and the thing that I hate the most is that uh, you know young kids today know what it's like to play basketball but they have no idea what it was like to play when it was a single class system and uh, that was when it was uh, such great fun in my opinion that's my opinion Coach, you've been to the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame uh, several times. Uh, I've seen a, a few photos of with you uh, with some legends. <clears throat> uh, what do you think about what they do, and uh, uh, do they do the best at what they do? You know, I uh, I love the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. I think they do a great job uh, with their uh, uh, people they've selected. I uh, uh, you know, my friend. Uh, Sam Offord's been the head of it for the last few years, and I think Sam has done a great job. Uh, um, you know, they I think they had, uh, when I went up there a few weeks ago uh, in support of Bill Butcher, I think they had uh, 40 people, something like 40 people speaking, uh, you know, uh, to try to get into the, uh, in support of someone getting into the Hall of Fame. And, and I realize each year they can only take a few, uh, so it, it's it's very difficult. We've had some great players in in Indiana, and uh, uh, but uh, again, uh, backing up to the uh, uh, to the Bill Butcher story, I, I think that uh, it would be uh, very difficult not to put him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and like I said, the second greatest story in in uh, Indiana basketball sports history. And, uh, you know, uh, you, uh, speaking of history, you go to uh, Ligoti's gym today, and I think Ligoti has one of the most beautiful high school gyms in Indiana. And uh, uh, around the walls are all these pictures of, of the huge pictures of the great semi-state teams and sectional and regional teams. But, you know, uh, also along the wall are, are teams of, of every, uh, are pictures of every team since – uh, Ligoti is, was uh, a school, and uh, Tim Nante did that, and he did a great job in, in putting that up there, and uh, uh, Tim's to be complimented in what he's done. I think I think he's done that same thing at Princeton and, and some uh, maybe some other places as well, but, uh, you know, Tim, uh, he uh, I took his place as, as JV coach, and uh, they, they were big shoes to fill, I, I have to say, and and hopefully I, I did a halfway decent job doing that. Oh, you did fantastic. Another another six degrees of separation that I didn't know of either is that uh, uh, I roommated with Terry Nante, Tim's son, and I had no idea about the lineage, the lineage and, 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 and the greatness that was uh, Southern uh, Indiana High School basketball when I was uh, attending Indiana State University to get my history degree. But another six degrees yeah. of separation. Well, you know, uh, you know, Goody is uh, – uh, they're mostly uh, it's mostly an Irish Catholic bunch with a, a few uh, uh, Methodists and Mennonites and, and Amish zone in uh, if you go to Ligoti today why, and you uh, go to the supermarket you'll see a, uh, a trough outside for uh, and a place for horses to be tied up when the, <laughs> when the Amish come into town and uh, uh, anyway it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a mixture of old and old and new, but uh, <clears throat> speaking of uh, them being tough uh, Irish people, 
you know, when Ligoti first started, it was 1853, and the railroad came through town, and the people had lived out uh, where my old home was, a place called Mount Pleasant, a couple of uh, miles out of town. They they put their houses on wagons and and moved them moved them to where the railroad was, and 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 began uh, Ligoti, and and these people were uh, uh, just pretty uh, tough people. And and, they, and another story I like to tell is that uh, one time uh, supposedly the KKK was going to march uh, in Ligoti uh, uh, and it was uh, a basically anti-Catholic and uh, there were so many Catholics in Ligoti I guess that they, uh, the Catholic men met them on the street and they were outnumbered the KKK like uh, <laughs> 10 to 1 and I guess the KKK left town in quite a hurry <laughs> so it was like in the maybe the early 1900s or so but uh, anyway a story they told so I, I thought it was kind of a neat story you know I know I know of five people right off the top of my head that need to be in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame and none of them tops the list more than uh, uh, Bill Butcher so hopefully those behind the doors voting and stuff like that are, are um, uh, <clears throat> looking at uh, all the great things he's done for the game and, and hopefully um, he'll be in this next upcoming class uh, we certainly hope so. He, he certainly deserves it. Yeah. Coach Biggs, thank you so much. We ran just a little bit. We ran 54 seconds long. And don't tell Coach Butcher that I was a minute and a, late, a, minute and a half calling you. And uh, a, a fan, fantastic interview. I think everyone will enjoy this. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you for uh, letting me be a part of uh, your, your show on Nostalgia of Basketball. Uh, as, as you know, I love basketball. I love your program. And and uh, really enjoyed talking with you today. So thanks again. It was an honor to be your guest.